0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. Welcome back to the midweek mailbag. We are back after a week off and we are here to talk Detroit Lions, answering your Detroit Lions questions here live on twitch.tv slash or wherever you get podcasts. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer at pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit online and with me as always to help answer some of your Lions questions is the managing editor of pride of Detroit is the former punt God of the Lions (laughs) media group. (laughs) Sorry. I had to get that one at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. How are you doing, buddy?
2: Oh, it's, it's allergy season. So I'm feeling it today. Uh, but I'm gonna muscle through and uh we got lots to talk about, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we are just taking our first steps here into the off-season chasm where uh mini camp is over, OTA is technically still going on, but the media is now locked out for the last day or two here. Yeah. Uh, so we are uh, here to maybe recap a little bit of what we've seen and obviously talk forward as uh training camp is what about six weeks away. Um We'll, we'll be continuing to do all these uh, min, uh, midweek mailbags to answer your questions and things like that. Um, so don't worry, we won't skimp on the uh, the, the, the production. We'll, we'll still be here. We'll still be trying to 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 offer you. I, I've already heard some people like worried like, you guys we, we listen to you guys every week. What are we gonna do when there's nothing to talk about? <laughs> you bring us the content to talk about, we'll talk about it. And that's what we're gonna do today. Uh, Let's jump right into it here. Uh, Sweaty Doofus on Twitter asks us, are the improvements in the secondary seen in minicamp due to better players executing similar schemes to what Anthony, uh, Anthony, to what Aaron Glenn has used before? Or has the increased talent in the secondary allowed for more diverse coverage schemes?
2: I I think it's a combination, right? Um, the, The players that are returning are getting better. Because yeah. uh, I think they're more accustomed to the scheme, but the talent level has definitely gone up. Yeah. Um. Just Gardner Johnson and Sutton are are an elevation, right? And then uh, adding Brian Branch is is has been really fun. I really want to talk about him uh, as, as long and as much as possible. <laughs> and um, you know, and then you've got just like the returning guys. Uh, they've got a little bit more swag, a little bit more comfortability. And that you know, Kirby, I mean, Kirby's, he's something, right? Like he's, (laughs) his, his swagger is going through the roof. And then you have, you have guys returning from injury too, right? Which is, which is, uh, I think going to add an element uh, up, you know, it's going to add an element to this secondary that just can take it up another level as well. So if uh, the different position groups were stocks on the Detroit Lions, I would be investing heavily in the Detroit Lions secondary.
1: Which is what they've done. They've, they've invested heavily in the secondary. Yeah, I yeah. mean, in terms of the improvements that we've seen so far, I would say most of it is just more talented players. But what they've been saying, what the coaches have been saying, what the players have been saying is like, OK, now that we have the guys that we have, now that we have all these guys that are versatile, they can play corner, they can play safety, they can play nickel. Now we can start finally doing what we want to do. And I would say we haven't really necessarily gotten a, a great look at that. They're probably keeping things very vanilla in front of us. Sure. And and they're early in installment anyway. So, um, when, when you when you're talking about the production that we've seen, in granted, pajama party, right? It, it's pajama party production. It's it's not necessarily real. But again, I as I've said on previous podcasts, I think of the positions you can analyze so far in in off season workouts, wide receiver and and defensive backs are kind of high on the list of. Okay, what you actually see might actually translate once the pads are on. And so and again, I think all of that is more a reflection of just getting more talented guy like CJ Gardner. Johnson came in and immediately looked like the best defensive back that they have. And then it elevated a guy like Kirby Joseph, who I think probably was the second best looking guy out there. And, And that's not to diminish what Cameron Sutton has done. He's not getting beat very often, but I don't see him getting challenged very often. Um, so maybe he's not getting like the ball production that that were that jumps off the page when you're watching a practice. But he's also been very solid and communicative and all that sort of stuff. So um, and then and then, like you said, like, I think the remarkable thing about the secondary is it's not just those guys that we're projecting to start. It's the guys, like you said, Brian Branch, who's going to have a, a, some sort of role this year. Starling Thomas, who we've mentioned a couple times now is playing pretty well. Even even Savion Smith is 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 still kind of hanging in there. It's like, don't, don't forget about him. Like he's a he's a talented guy there too. So I don't know, Eric. Like I I I I always kind of have that that thing in mind that that you brought up a couple years ago. That year that Aaron Glenn's defense took that jump from like 28th to like fifth, right? And what was it all about? It was about improving the secondary. It all it all happened in one fell swoop. And this feels like maybe that's what's happening here
2: right uh, if if your secondary improves there's a trickle down effect to yeah. how it can help the players in front of them and so um i think you can kind of see that it's with, with the secondary having more ability to cover larger spaces it reduces the amount of space that the linebackers have to cover <laughs> and then the linebackers then all of a sudden look a little bit better as well and so um yeah until we get pads on, it's hard to tell, you know, what's happening in the trenches. And I think when you get pads on these guys, uh, it, there's an opportunity for the offense to open things up a little bit more sure. and maybe we'll see a little bit more challenging. Uh, but for now in this kind of open one-on-one uh, the secondary has looked as good as expected and which is uh refreshing <laughs> But, yeah, to say the least.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit there, but Damien Smith comes in here with the next question, which is kind of the the con side to your defensive backs playing well. Um, there's some growing concern about the the wide receiver depth and, and the wide receiver performance. So Damien uh, Damian Smith at Indy Smith on Twitter asks, I see a number of national writers worried about wide receiver depth. Have any of Antoine Green, Dylan Drummond, or Chase Cota looked good enough in OTAs? In contrast. To the secondary, we've heard less about the receivers. So um, let's start with those UDFAs and and Antoine Green, I guess, just the rookies here. And then maybe Mm -hmm. we'll expand it to um, is there is there a large, larger concern about just the the wide receivers right now?
2: I, I think Green has looked like a drafted NFL player. You know what I mean? Like of that group, he's if you were to put those guys out there and say which one of these guys was drafted, you would pick Green out and say he's the one because I think he's looked like he belongs. Yeah um kata he kind of almost looks like a big tight end um, yeah, he does right he can't yeah. right um or, or a smaller tight end a big it doesn't help that he has yeah. 88 too
1: yeah. which doesn't help.
2: yeah yeah <laughs> but but the routes they run him in and yeah. stuff too it's like he's he 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 falls down a lot like it like a, his predecessor 88 um <laughs> but uh you know like with drummond he's quick and so that's that's fun but like even when you when you have these quick guys out there, and you're like, oh, that guy looks quick, and then you watch Khalif Raymond do something quick, you're right. like, oh, that's NFL quick. Oh, right. There's a, there's a difference, right? Because like we're, like last year with um oh the kid out of uh, uh, Pimpleton, like yeah, he looked, he was phenomenal. Like right. we were like, oh my gosh, he's so good, and then they. Then you put him like squared up against Khalif, and you were like, "Oh, I understand why Khalif is who Khalif is, right? Yeah. Because uh, he's just that much better." And so, for me, Green has really been the guy who's been pretty. He's more. He's been more consistent. And his routes have been crisp. He's been um, showing more range than just being a vertical guy. He's gone over the middle. Um, for me, Green has looked consistently uh, good enough. That I think he's probably your wide receiver five six, uh, depending on, you know, the whole JMO situation, where you if you include him or not.
1: Yeah. Um I have a couple things to say here. First of all, um, these guys have had at least a little bit of an open opportunity here because Maurice Alexander has been dealing with an injury, Trinity Benson is dealing with an injury, but they're still consistently repping with the third team. And that's a big problem for them. For it's nothing in within their control. Like, of course they're repping there, but the problem is they've got a quarterback throwing to him who is not an NFL quarterback. And with all due respect to Adrian Martinez, he has not looked good. He has not looked close to good. He looks like a rookie, an undrafted rookie. He looks like he needs a lot of time in the incubator. And so these guys, (laughs) I mean, when the third team offense is out there, Eric, it's kind of a disaster. Yeah. No, I agree. and, And when if that's the case. How am I supposed to evaluate the wide receivers when there's a quarterback that can't get him the ball? He's holding on to it long. He's not accurate. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can give a fair assessment of any of these guys for being completely well,
2: honest. Th- maybe that's why Green looks a little bit better, because he's done more run with the twos than the other guys have.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I want to expand this out to, like, the, the bigger picture here. Um, is there a concern about the wide receiver group that they have? Because it's not just... The depth, I think that that some people are concerned about. It's it's losing DJ Chark. It's not having Jameson Williams for for six games. It's Marvin Jones at thirty three. Uh, it's it's. I mean, there, there's not for those first six games. Does do the Lions have a competitive receiver group that that can? I mean, at least keep the Lions' offense where it was. Because really, like, as, as much as we want to say the offense was amazing and the run game's really good there was a stark difference between healthy wide receiving core lines offense last year and unhealthy, right? Like once, you know, you had Amon Ra with the ankle injury and, and, and DJ Chark out of the lineup, it was bad for a stretch of like three or four games. And then once everyone got healthy back, it was like explosive again. So you need healthy, good wide receivers. Do they have it this year?
2: Well, let me, let me, let me put an emphasis on this with no pads. Mm -hmm. There is a, it would make sense that like the receivers would be the guys showing out, but that hasn't been the case. But when you look at the fact that the the lions run such an immense amount of play action and the run game hasn't been accounted for yet. Most of the time, these guys are just like, you're seeing more drops and shells in in your coverage. And so it's a little bit harder for them to gain separation, especially because not a lot of them are, are are built like that. St. Brown has been, it doesn't matter with St. Brown. (laughs) St. Brown is always going to find his way, right? He's always going to find his way open. And I think green has done well against the reserves. Like I said, well enough that I think he's kind of separated himself from, from that group. Khalif has looked okay, but he's his size mismatch has been evident. Yep. And then, while we're talking about receivers, we, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, branch too far off of this receiver discussion. But Laporta is going to factor in into this passing game as well, and mm-hmm. he has looked phenomenal. And so, I'm not as worried about the overall team approach just yet. Yeah. Um, I, I think when you add pads in a running game, it's going to open things up a lot more for for the guys on the on the perimeter. Um, But the slots have looked really good, even even open against shells, you know, shell defenses and stuff. So uh, I'm not overly concerned. I get it, though, but um, because there has not been a ton of separation. Um, I'm hoping, you know, that we'll see more of it like they're more they're going to it's going to be more of the defense having to adjust to things happening underneath. And then hopefully that opens up things on the outside.
1: Yeah. And, and I know people are probably also yelling, like, oh, what about Jameer Gibbs? He's part of the, the passing game. And all that is true. But again, it's like, it's OK, we're talking about a lot of stuff over the middle. We're talking about Amon ra we're talking about Laporta, we're talking about Gibbs, all guys that are probably going to attack a lot up the middle. So who's going to win on the outside? That And that, I think, is mm-hmm. a legitimate concern question sure. to have, because Marvin Jones is going to be a great contested catch guy. Is he going to be able to separate a lot at 33? The answer is probably no. And so Mm -hmm. will Jared Goff trust a guy who's not that open, who he doesn't have a ton of experience with?
2: Yeah, I think the one guy that we've seen consistently have that that, um, that, uh, relationship with Jared Goff has been Josh Reynolds. And I think it's going to be him early, right? I know that they've talked about, oh, we're going to put a lot on Khalif and we're going to ask Khalif to do more while JMO's out and stuff like that. And I get that. And you're going to stretch the field with Khalif. But we've seen when Khalif's size just, it, it's hard for him to work on the outside at his size. It just is. Yep. And so I really think Josh Reynolds is going to be a catalyst to keep defenses um, accountable, right? Like, because we know that they can get it done in the slot, we know we can get it, they can get it done in the backfield. But if to keep, Defenses from loading up the box, Josh Reynolds is going to have to be the guy to step up in the first six weeks.
1: Yeah. And I, I actually asked Antoine Randall that exact question like, hey, how important is he going to be in the first six weeks? And he's like, first six weeks, that guy's important all the time. Like that guy, yeah, that's true. that guy is, is key to what we do. And I think part, like he mentioned, part of it is that versatility. He can be on the outside. He can be an X, he can be a Y, he can be Z. Like he, mm-hmm. he's a guy that knows all of those positions, obviously has a chemistry with, with uh, Jared Goff. And so the question is just like, Who's the other guy? It's probably going to be Marvin Jones to start. Yeah. Um. I don't think Antoine Green is is ready to go. Um. And again, he's repping with second and third team. so he doesn't really have that chemistry with golf yet. We'll see if he gets some opportunities. They are going to sprinkle in Khalif Raymond a lot. And listen, like I, it, it's not it's not ideal. It's not perfect. Um. But I think it's good enough. Um. So if mm-hmm. if to go back to the original question, my concern level for the wide receiver group, especially in those first six weeks without JMO, it's like a four and a half. Maybe like it's, it's not nothing. I, th- I think there is legitimate questions about if they can pick up where they left off, but it's not, it's not anywhere near panic mode. There, there are worse wide receiver cores out there. And a couple of them yeah. are probably in the division. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question. Um, Ryan, uh, our good friend Detroit in Toledo, asks, I've heard a lot of rookies impressing at minicamp. Are any of them looking like it may take them a little bit longer to catch on? We heard a lot about James Houston in this light last year. So not saying they will bust just further behind.
2: The The hard part is, is your first two picks, your first round picks have both looked like they're supposed to. But again, it's without pads. It's hard to really right. get a full assertion of Gibbs or. Uh, Campbell, right? Branch and Laporta have both looked sensational. Yep. Um, you haven't seen Hooker yet. Yep. And, and with Martin and Sorsdahl, you're getting guys that are again trench work that you can't really get a full assertion of. And so then your last okay. guy's green, who we just talked about. So I, it's unfortunate, like without the pads, half of the rookie class isn't really, we can't really get a full grasp of, of how they're doing. But the guys who are put in situations, you know, where they can, where they could show out, I think have showed out the second round picks have looked great. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I, mean, I, I think very encouraging. It, it's, it's getting to the point now that I'm forgetting that Laporta is a, a second round pick. Cause I just, <laughs> I'm thinking he's a first round pick. I keep right thinking that you. I keep thinking I'm like,
1: yeah.
2: right. I'm like, Oh no. Our, you know, I'm surprised that the fan base is, is is you know so receptive to another first round pick out of Iowa. <laughs> oh wait, no, he's a second round pick, right? So, but, so I'm I'm encouraged by by how those second round picks have have looked. Both of them have been really exceeded my expectations.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say something like Roderick Martin, but again, it's really, really hard now. He's massive. I mean, um, he's massive. It's it's oh, maybe yeah. at least a little bit telling it, it. I mean, actually it's, not. I was going to say it's a little bit telling that he's not with like the first and second, you know, they, they split the field sometime with first and second string, third and fourth, and he's over there with third and fourth, but they do that with mm-hmm. all their rookies. And of course they're going to do it with a day two pick as well. Um, I, I want to bring this up because I feel like it's, I I'm already starting to hear rumblings and, and Lions fans raising eyebrows about it. Um, yesterday, yesterday, two days ago, um, when we talked with Kelvin shepherd, uh, mentioned that like it's no guarantee that jack campbell is going to be the day one starter now yeah that isn't all that different than how he's talked about the linebacker room in the past um he he said the same thing about alex anzalone right over mm-hmm. each of the last two scenes like i know we just signed him i know he's a veteran he's gonna have to earn his way jack campbell's gonna have to earn his way and he might not like people pick up the defense arranging ways. Some pick it up fast. Some pick it up slow. Derek Barnes is a guy who apparently has taken a huge mental jump in year three. So I guess my right. question is to, to you before people start hitting panic mode and reading into this saying Jack Campbell can't learn the defense. He's going to start the season on the bench. Any concern for you?
2: No, not yet. Because like he would, he sees it and he runs like he flies. Like yeah. he, there's a, there's a definite definite difference in athleticism between him and the other linebackers. Like his ability to get to the sideline is better than the other, the other linebackers. And that's, I mean, that's noticeable. And it's, that's not just like, Oh, it's, he's working with the second team. So he's just against it, it. whether you – to get from point A to point B, it doesn't matter who the opponent is or who's on the other side of the ball. Or who you. He's able to get there faster, and he sees it, recognizes it, reads it. I, I'm encouraged by him, but at the same time, I was about an arm's length from Shepard, and he stared at me, I'd say – 75% of the conference, <laughs> the press conference, which was very eerie, yeah. Um, and very intense because he's, a, he's a very intense guy. guy. Yeah. Uh, shout out to his mother. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> get in trouble. Um, um, but he uh when he said there's it's gonna be a competition, whoever gets in gets it. I, I believed him. Like there was no doubt. It. I'm like, yep, that's right. I understand this completely. Like he's just he, the best guy will play, right? Yeah. And that and for me, maybe I, Campbell's probably behind uh, Barnes, but he should be. Like right. Barnes is a third-year guy, even yeah. if even though this is only his going into his fourth year off the ball, Barnes should be ahead of where a rookie is. Remember, <laughs> Rodriguez was with the third, with the threes right. at this point last year, right? And then he got up to the twos after about a week, and he was with the ones by the end of like you know, the fifth breakfast or whatever it was, right? And so, I'm not, I'm not you know, slotting guys in or making these big sweeping, you know, judgments right now. I think Campbell is going to have to earn his spot and a, a, a productive Derek Barnes, a productive Rodriguez. And then the team, you know, we know they love Anzalone because of what he can do. Right. Um, That's a good thing. If there's, if there's sure. four linebackers, like that's good. Yeah. I think inevitably, athleticism is going to win out though. And I think that's why for me, I I'm still on the Campbell is probably going to end up winning the starting role by the end of camp.
1: I, I have a comment and then a follow-up question to you. Um, my comment is there's one quote and I think it was from Dan Campbell. I was just trying to find it. I couldn't find it. Um, it's either Dan Campbell or is Aaron Glenn. I thought it was the most interesting thing. I've heard them talk about Jack Campbell. And it's not necessarily a good or bad thing, but he said, like, he's such an intense cerebral player that sometimes he beats up on himself a little bit too much. Yeah. And Campbell,
2: Campbell said that.
1: Dan can Dan Campbell said it. Mm-hmm. Um and and I I don't I don't know what I think of that, but I think it's interesting. I think because that that has its limits to how like that, obviously being your, your own worst critic has its benefits. It means you're gonna work your ass off to to fix things. It does right. have, but there is like a limit to that too. Like if you're overly critical of yourself, you're going to get down on yourself. You're going to be, you know, you have to keep that level headed, right? It's what every yep. NFL coach says is like, you got, you can't get too high with the wins. You can't get too too low with the losses. And so I think maybe that's something to kind of keep an eye on is, is to make sure he's, and, and that, none of that surprises me. But after like the one or two press conferences we've had with Jack Campbell, there was one that was right off the day in which Sam Laporta beat him on that one route. And he, he did not yeah. seem happy that day.
2: He was miserable. He, he he did not want to be there that day. Uh, um, that was that was that rookie mini camp. He was called. Oh, he wanted out of there so fast. And but go ahead.
1: I shouldn't even be making this comparison because it's going to set people in the panic. And I don't want that to happen. <laughs> but the first person I think of when a guy that might be overly hard on himself. Do you know who it is? No. <laughs> I'm now I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Jared Davis, <laughs> Jared Davis. Like Jared oh. Davis kind of had that same gene where he's just like so intense, wa- like wants everything so badly. And and it I think in his case, it probably worked to his detriment at times. In fact, he owned up to that a couple of years later, saying he learned that. He was a little bit too hard on himself, a little too much all in on football and not able to enjoy it. But again, I'm not comparing sure. the players. I'm just comparing the mindset. And mm-hmm. and so um, just kind of something interesting to to keep an eye on now. My follow-up question to you is, let's say we get to week one and Jack Campbell is not starting. Mm-hmm. Are you concerned at that point? Uh,
2: I, I think we'd have to – I mean, there's a whole train camp and preseason that we'd have to get through, See, right? Sure. Like, it, I'd have to say, is he not – what Shepard said was uh, – or surrounding this was, if Jack is not starting – That's a good thing because it means somebody else is better, right? right? Somebody else is playing better. He said, he basically said, if Jack Campbell isn't starting, it won't be because Jack Campbell's not good enough. It'll be because the other guys are are working their butts off to get even better than they are now. So that's the way I would look at it is Campbell has the talent to start. And if he's not, it probably means Derek Barnes or Rodriguez are just playing at a different level than they were previously. And I'll be okay with that.
1: I agree, hundred percent. All right. Now that I've sent Lions fans into a panic, and we're going to read a <laughs> bunch of headlines, whether Jack Campbell is <laughs> next, Jared Davis. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your Lions questions here on the Midweek Mailbag. We'll be right back.
0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make
1: And we are back here on the Midweek Mailbag. Myself, Jeremy Risman, and Eric Schlitt live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Join us on Wednesday afternoons. Uh, if you want your questions answered live, we like to spend a lot of our break time answering a whole lot of more, whole lot more questions that don't even make the <laughs> podcast. So if you're just listening on the podcast, make sure to come over to twitch.tv slash pride Detroit and come watch us live. But let's get back to some of the Twitter questions here. Uh, Jason Krolick at Krolick on Twitter asks – if you were the GM of a new expansion franchise and you were able to select one Detroit Lions player, who would it be? Well, Panay.
2: Yeah, I think Panay is probably the guy that you're investing in, in my opinion. Like, I mean, Hutch is Hutch is the other option, right? Because that's what you want—you want edge or you want your tackle and. I just think Panay has that like generational type talent. Uh, Hutch can be a pro bowler like, and he can be a consistent pro bowler, but I think, I think uh, Sewell can really be like the best tackle in the league.
1: Yeah. To me, my answer is probably Sewell too. I would say the closest one for me though, is probably Amon Ra. And in terms of pure talent, it's not necessarily there, but if you're building an ex- expansion franchise and you want a tone setter, you want a culture setter. I don't think you can get any better. Really, I mean, I'm not taking True. away from it. all three of those guys, right? They're they're all exactly what you want. But I think Amon-Ra and that like competitive fire, he's gonna make like he's already making everyone in that wide receiver room better here in Detroit. I mean, we talk about the the whole Jugs machine thing and and how that has been contagious amongst the receiver room. Having that guy on your offense as as a, like a starter as like a starting point, I should say it's huge, but thing is, Pinesu sure. will brings that to a Hutchinson brings that too. But I think it's definitely in between those three guys. And I don't know if anyone's really even close. Like maybe you want to throw a Frank rag now in there, but he's older than all those guys. He's dealing right. with a, a toe injury. Um, I don't know. Is, is there anyone else outside of those three that, that really even comes close to you? Jonah, I think Jonah, Jonah
2: or Decker, you're talk- those guys, uh, you're looking at pretty heavy. Um, Kirby is is wanting to be in that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think th- the youth movement on this team is really uh, the foundation of what I think is going to make this team successful beyond just, you know, like have one run at it. I think they're going to have right. multiple because of the the youth that they have.
1: Yep. All right. Quick one. Next question here. Let's go on to uh, Ashley's question. Ashley, David Soden uh, asks, is special teams still the main factor in deciding who makes the team at the bottom of the roster or will the team pivot to players who can provide better depth on offense or defense uh, who maybe aren't as good in special team? Who do you, and who do you think are the players on that team that that, that might have to be part of that decision?
2: I do think special teams is going to be the deciding factor. At the same time, if they have a player that can give them depth, they're not just gonna dismiss them, even if they aren't necessarily like as good as somebody else on special teams. So, um, like for example, when we were talking to Shepard, Shepard's was he, he almost always just says, you know, that he refers to his off-the-ball guys as the three, as the three linebackers, because those are the three he uses a rotation. But this time, this, uh, when we talked to him on Monday, he said three or maybe four. So right. they're already starting to look at the fact that, you know, they have more depth and more contributors and more guys that can fill into specialty roles. And so, um, you know, it's possible that we start to see maybe guy like 46 47 48 be a guy that be guys that are more depth oriented but i still think the final like five guys it's almost those guys are going to be special teams demons and and the nice thing is is they usually go hand in hand anyways right Right. so um i'll let you weigh in on that and then we can talk people yeah which people let's answer the second half
1: yeah i mean it's it's interesting. I, I do think it's going to be used maybe more so as a tiebreaker than a deciding factor, if that makes sense. Like it's, you know, okay. if, if you've got two guys that you think are on an equal level defensively or offensively and one can play special teams for and one can't. You have your answer right there, um, because I do think and I think most of the league kind of takes this approach, which is like, let's fill out our roster first. And then we're going to teach special teams to the bottom guys on those rosters. And we're going to hammer it home. Yeah. And obviously, like, you have to do both at the same time, right? You can't just walk into training camp and be like, all right, we'll, we'll teach you guys special teams once we figure out who we need to play special teams for So You have to continue to do it all the time. But I think for two reasons, they should maybe put a little bit more emphasis on offense and defense. One is that your roster is better, right? You have better depth um, top to bottom. And so when injuries eventually come and they're going to come. Your competitive team. Now you're going to have to rely on those guys to play some really good football for you. And so you don't want to push talented guys off the roster because of special teams. Second point being special teams. I'm sorry to say folks starting to matter less and less. And I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but with the new kickoff rules, you're going to see less, a significant amount of, of kickoffs go off the board, a significant decrease. So you're left with punts. You're left with kickoffs. I'm sorry, you're left with kicks, field goals. That's kind of it. And and again, important parts of the game. Field position is important. Making your field goals is important. But I mean, how how often is a field goal blocked? Not very often. Well, I don't I don't know. I mean, how it, often? It's been a
2: it's been a couple of years, but I remember they it's had been like a while. four years. But that's what I'm saying. Now, like
1: yeah. we're yeah. we're really like threading the needle here. We're really pulling at hairs when we're like well drastically trying to figure out who's going to play on, on the kick teams.
2: Here, here's, here's an interesting observation. At least I find it interesting. Cause I care about special teams more than you do. <laughs> um, <clears throat> when they were running their special teams drills mm-hmm. uh, at, at minicamp, they would run them with two guys that are like two gunners and one personal protector those were guys. Those three guys were um, fringe guys, yeah. and then the second unit was two guys at, at punt, and then another PP guy that were all fringe guys. And then the third unit was were guys that were going to make the team that they were testing. Yeah. So like, so like it was like um, I I don't I look I don't have my notepad in front of me, but like the guy look, for example the guys that are going to make the team that they were testing out were like uh Will Harris and Jerry Jacobs. We're doing we're Gunners. They're both going to make the team. Right. And then Brian Branch was the personal protector. That unit is the okay, if we're going if Starling Thomas makes it, then you know, we might need to see if Will or Jerry Jacobs can do it, right? If if there's not room for Savion Smith or 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 Brady Breeze to be the PP, well we need Brian Branch to be uh, you know experienced enough to do it so like it may come down to this like yeah brian branch is is a good pp and maybe brady breeze is a little bit better but we don't have room for brady breeze and so they're already starting to prepare guys that they know are going to make the roster as kind of like options and right. so um you know when you pay attention to like who those guys are during camp, you'd be you pick up on those little nuances and you find those little sure. things, uh, you know, that that's why I pay attention to them. You know, that's why it's,
1: it's, it's all why it's right, important. All right. No, this isn't an <laughs> intervention of you paying too much attention to special teams during camp. <laughs> all right. Give me names though. Give me like, who,
2: who, who do you think are some names? Cause that was the second part of the question. Like, yeah, I mean, is there, I mean, I, I look, Will Harris and, and Jerry, they yeah. got to be ready to go. Like, right. but I don't know if they were necessarily going to be the best two, but they might be, they're going to be in the mix.
1: Well, like, okay. So I think let's go back to linebacker. Cause I think there's, there's an interesting kind of development there. Like Jalen Reeves may been probably going to make the team probably mostly because of special teams, but where does that yes. leave a guy like Anthony Pittman? A guy who, well, if they keep six, right. That's the tricky part. Right. right.
2: Right. They did last year. Right. 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 And, and so, this, so I think
1: this kind of gets up to the question though. Like, is this is this team at a point where you keep a guy like Anthony Pittman, who is is a very good special teamer, but mm-hmm. you don't really know where he fits on defense still in year three of this defense. Is he kind of that edge guy? Is he an off ball linebacker? Either way, well, is he like how far on the rotation is he at both those roles? I know it's but, like the Julian O'Quar thing where it's kind of like mm-hmm. the hybrid. So like.
2: But that's I, what you have to factor in. Right. Because la- because last year they kept six off the ball guys, but they only had one hybrid. Right now, it looks like they're going to have two hybrids, which means it's probably going to come at the sacrifice of an off-the-ball guy, right. and that's where I think Pittman needs to be a little is going to be a little bit worried. Yeah, because if Reeves Maben is number five, now Pittman's going to have to be fighting against him and fighting against the edge guys. So he's either got to jump Reeves Maben or he's got to jump like uh, Julian or James Houston. In order to try and fit, so that's a tough road for Pittman. He has two pass.
1: Yeah,
2: he has two pass, and he is he's had more special team snaps in the last two years than any line combined. Right, like he's he is a he is a highly used special teamer, but and he has two pass to the roster, but they're both really challenging. And the same thing is true with with, at at corner at Gunner. Right, like you look, Will Harris is going to make the roster because of his contract. And so, is he end up going to is he going to be a gunner by default? Like because they don't have the roster space uh, to add both Starling Thomas and Chase Lucas, who both might be better gunners than, than than Will Harris, but they might not have space for both of them. And then if you if you keep both those guys, does that cost you the opportunity to keep a Sabian Smith who might be a better PP than Brian branch, but, but, or are you just, are you going to trust that in in branch and the rookie because he's so smart? Like these are the debates that you're going to have on those last few roster spots. And that's why, you know, a guy like Pittman or chase Lucas or or Starling Thomas, two of those guys might be on the outside looking in, which is, uh, which is, sad tough. because they're going to end they would end up on other nfl rosters
1: yep um that that leads nicely into a question from Night Moves 212 on twitter asked does chase lucas have a, a place on the roster you mentioned he's vocal and a tremendous athlete but nickel seems du- duplicative at this point with cj gardner johnson and brian branch which i think is a good point yeah
2: well they're using them outside more
1: right, right? yep
2: which is uh important and i think that either he recognizes that he's got to get more experience and become more position flexible or, or maybe he's just gotten there. Maybe he thinks that maybe the coaches think that um, he's going to have to contribute on special teams in a, in like a starting type role. Like it's just, he's going to have to win one. Um, And and I do think him and Starling Thomas are going to be in kind of like a, a, a head to head competition for maybe one of those last spots in the secondary. But there is a path for both of them to make it if you go light somewhere else, like if like with an Anthony Pittman, uh if, if he's vulnerable. And so I'm not ruling Chase out, but I would say if if the roster was fifty-five people, I'd say he's in for sure. Right. If it's because but because it's only fifty-three, I'm like eh. I don't know. It's a little, it's a, it's a little harder for me to say, and I'm a huge Chase Lucas fan.
1: Yeah. And, and he has all the intangibles, right? He has all the things yep. that are going to endear him to this coaching staff. In a lot of ways, I think of him like a Jerry Jacobs type where he's just going to be there like at, at the coach's hip 24 seven, because he's that motivated to, to get it going. And unfortunately for him, he was injured most of minicamp camp and, and, and OTAs. We saw him a little bit in the final day of, of OTAs on Monday. So he's close, yep. Um, but he's he's got to stay on the field because if he's out for two three weeks of training camp, I think that's it. Like he's dealt with a lot of injuries already in his very short career, and I don't like I don't think he can afford that. Given how tight the bottom of this roster is, he needs to be out there. He has to be out there. He has to be proving he can be a special teamer. He can prove that he can be an outside corner. Especially, like if they're changing his position too, man, like you got to get those reps in. And I'm not saying. Yeah. I, I'm they would love to have this guy in the special on on the the uh, practice uh, squad. Practice squad. Thank you. Um, and I, I think he'd probably be open to saying because I do think he enjoys it here. Um, he's yes. super competitive, though. So, like, maybe if I mean, obviously, you don't necessarily have a choice. If you get claimed, you get claimed. But um, I think I think he likes it here. I I think that's where he's headed. If I had to make a guess right now, I, I would say he's headed for the practice squad. But he's got he he has an opportunity like a lot of these guys. And we know this coaching staff is going to make it a competition. They haven't made any decisions anywhere yet. Um, so I just think he has to really show out in camp. I think it's amongst bubble players on this team. I think he might have the most pressure on him to perform in training camp to, to earn his spot.
2: Well, in Pittman, and Pittman. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like if we're talking about a guy- I guys, I think Pittman just
1: has a longer road to get there.
2: I don't. It's I don't, a harder. I, it's yeah. it's harder. That's for sure. He's got a couple of people he's got to beat instead of just one.
1: Yeah. Um. Miko asks, I thought I read that James Houston is getting some off linebacker work this offseason. Does that put Julian Okwara's spot in jeopardy?
2: Uh maybe. If, they, like I said, you know, look, if they're like, hey, we really think Pittman's ability to be a special teams like demon. It's just that much better than Julian and and we've already got Houston and we don't think, you know, Julian's showing us enough. Sure. In my opinion, you can't have enough hybrid guys. And so I think both Julian and Houston are going to be in the mix. Plus, from a seniority level, they're already repping Julian ahead of of James, of Houston right now. And and so they're going to give Aquara every chance in the world. To to prove that that he belongs at the same time, if he can't stay healthy or, you know, and if he can't prove his his worth out there, he could be vulnerable. I'm not ready to write him off, uh, even with James Houston lurking, um, even with James Houston expanding to off the ball. Right. Uh, But. I do think he there is him. He should be concerned because both Houston and Pittman are, are right behind him. Nipping on his heels.
1: Yeah, and I think the the question being is the spot in jeopardy. I think the answer is yes, it's in jeopardy. It doesn't mean he's not going to get it or not, but like, just think about it on a very basic level. What is what does Julian Okora bring you? I think the the first thing we said when he got here was like it's a good pass rusher. He needs to develop the rest of his game, which is exactly what we're saying about James Houston. Except we have proof of concept at the NFL level that James Houston can actually be a really good pass rusher in the NFL. We never really got that from Julian. Like. Well, he just flashed. just 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 taking down
2: uh, Justin Fields at the end of the Bears game, and <laughs> I keep Which, thinking back to that every time. I'm like, yeah. I don't know, Aquar might be in trouble. And then I'm like, oh, I remember when he took down Justin Fields. That's good. That was yeah. a fun time.
1: James Houston <laughs> took him down at least once or twice too, including one or, just like bone crushing sandwich. Was it three times? Oh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's that's my point though. was like if you if you I mean. Julian is this is what year four for Julian and this is year two for, for yep. James. James has a better yep. resume in terms of like yes. both whether it's a statistical output or just like eyeball test. James yeah. has the better. Now uh, they're they're going to overload him now though, right? They're they're going to put more they're on. They're going to overload play. both. Yeah, yeah, both guys. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think that that's the challenge for James Houston this year is okay. We, we made you kind of a, a situational pass rusher here. Now we're going to throw this at you. Now we're going to throw this at you. Keep that pass rushing, but you're going to have all this other other stuff in your brain. Can you continue to do what you were doing and build upon that? Sometimes when you overload a player like that, they regress everywhere. I'm not saying that's yeah. that's where James Houston is going. I'm not saying he's not capable of doing that stuff, but that's what you have to look for. That's what you have to figure out. Can James Houston be that three down player capabilities or if he's just a situational pass rusher, that's not the end of the world. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to figure that out now. And and yeah, I think I think there's no reason to believe right now, to me, that that James Houston won't surpass Julian on the depth chart. Now that doesn't mean Julian's off the team necessarily. But I think right. I think by the end of training camp, I think James Houston. If I had to guess right now, James Houston's going to be that hybrid guy one.
2: The. <sighs> The hard part for these guys now is that we're looking at the fact that Houston and Aquara are kind of battling, right? But And then we add in Pittman does a lot of the same things. He played a lot of edge stuff as well. But the one name we haven't really factored in, because right now this hybrid role is not a starting role. It's a situational role. And there's another situational role out there that's going to be competing for snaps, and that's Brian Branch. And Branch has shown time and time again his ability to time blitzes is unreal yeah he isn't he he is going to if he's going to take snaps away it might be from this role like that's so like they have to worry about branch as well so like i i love the dynamics of this and this is and when you add players that have these hybrid capabilities it makes your defense that much more flexible but the, the you don't get more snaps right. with this flexibility right the snaps are still going to be low and and it and if you don't have a starting role you're not just competing against guys at your position you're competing against other positions that are also looking for those hybrid snaps yeah. and branch you throw branch into the mix on this a so totally different like even though he's not the same guy you know what yeah. i mean he can do things he can be that cover linebacker that they that they True. have that the other two haven't shown that they can do yet he can blitz off the edge that the other two haven't quite like well that we've seen but we haven't seen from makwara just yet right, right. like so there's a lot of there there's a lot of layers to this and, and again just makes Pittman's job so much harder, <laughs> yeah. right? Because when you add in now Branch into the mix, Branch, Branch has me just giggly excited because of what he can do and where. And I know, like a lot of people are are, are automatically associating: is he a natural? Garner Johnson replacement a year from now. They're they're actually, they have a lot of overlap in what they do well, but there's also a difference between what they, what they, what the extra stuff that they do that makes them unique. Right. And, 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 uh, Garner Johnson is, that slot dynamic player, he can cover all the different types of guys, but he can drop back into safety and you're not even sweating him. Right. I don't think you can do that with Branch now. They're really trying to get Branch to learn those deep safeties. You want to go cover two uh, with the two shell safeties, I think you're comfortable with Branch. But when putting Branch in like a single high, I don't think he's quite comfortable enough with that yet. But like when you get closer in the box, Branch is just – Dynamic is all get out, whereas I don't think you get that 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 physical level with with Gardner Johnson. And so Branch really he's he's more of like the hybrid front guy, whereas Gardner, I think you can live with both. Is I guess what I'm saying, like, you know, a lot of people are saying you're going to have to decide between them. I don't think you will. I think Branch is such a unique cat that he's just going to be he's going to be so much fun to be able to, like, put him out there and just let him do anything and everything that you want.
1: Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're definitely going to be on the field together a significant amount. Oh, yeah. There. Like not. Yes, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Like you said, it's not a one for one trade here. It's it's you're going to have C.J. Gardner Johnson out there almost every snap because they're going to be nickel a yeah. nickel. But then when they co- go to not dime, that's probably when you see maybe C.J. drop back to a more safety role. And you have um, Brian Branch near the line of scrimmage, kind of in that safety linebacker hybrid which is again, like it, this kind of goes all the way back to our first question, which is like this is being able to do a lot more schematically than they could before because they have more talent now. It's exciting. It's
2: there's so many different options. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm giddy. I'm giddy just thinking yeah. about the different options. I really am because I'm like they could go, they could go like a cover four. And like with their and use three hybrids mm-hmm. out there and like just three corners and the same, I like, can do so many different things. It's uh, it's, it's exciting. And, and I, I'm excited to see what for fans that haven't got a chance to see branch in person yet, because there's still a learning curve that he's going through, but some of the stuff, his ability to diagnose and read and make decisions and instinctively the yeah. plays that he makes is a lot of fun. That's it's a lot of fun.
1: And that last word that you use there is the one that I think the coaches have been using a lot, too, is instinctive. And that it's it's very easy to see once you're out there on the field with them. Uh, but we're going to call it there, Eric. We made it through here. This was your uh, your flu game. I think you I think you Hold well. on I got, I got 10 more minutes to talk about Brian Branch if you give them to me. <laughs> um speaking of Brian Branch, though, we are up to him on our draft uh, review series here on the podcast feed. We will get that uh going sometime later this week. Still working on setting an exact date and time for that. We'll also talk a little jameer Gibbs on that podcast cuz obviously we're going to have an, an Alabama beat writer to help us talk about those guys. Uh and and Eric, I I think I'm going to announce it here. Uh the uh, the call in show will return. Ooh. probably this week. i uh, haven't decided on a time or date yet, but I'm gonna make it official since this is still the podcast feed. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try it on Twitter spaces. So if you aren't already, follow us on Twitter at Pride of Detroit. You can follow us really on all social medias always. Uh go to pridedetroit.com for all of our written work. But for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back very, very soon. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind.
3: More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.